guys, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense. It's the last few days of 2016, and a New Year's right on the horizon, coming up on us quickly, which I'm looking forward to. It's been a challenging, and I don't think an overstatement to say shitty year in many regards, but one thing that I am happy that's happened over the last year is that the community around the show has grown a little bit, and as it's done so, I've gotten to know some of our listeners, and you guys are rad, and thank you, and I love you guys. I love doing this show, so that's pretty cool. Another cool thing is that as this year ends, means it's new calendar time. Isn't that exciting? I know what you're thinking. Hub, are you a pictures of sloths kind of guy? Are you a unlikely animal friendship calendar guy? Are you a abandoned barns of New England kind of guy? Well, in many ways, I'm all of those guys rolled into one. I'm quite a complex man. Let's go through these. First of all, sloths, delightful. Also, I really like saying sloth instead of sloth. They're both great, but sloth? Just fun. And then I picture sloths or sloths having uh, British accents, which is extra fun. <laughs> Just picture them. There's actually a sloth sanctuary in uh, Rainier, Oregon, which is delightful. It's one of the best in the country. There are many, many sloths, and the woman who runs it is a remarkable woman. And you can get tours, and I'd highly recommend that everybody go there and learn all you can about these fascinating creatures that are so prevalent in memes. What else did I mention? Oh, unlikely animal friendships? Sure, they're great. I forget where it was that I was listening to this, but somebody brought up the idea of how many rough drafts there have to be to get unlikely animal friendships and how dangerous that is. And it's, I had honestly never thought of that. It's like, oh yeah, that is a really cute picture of a bunny and a cheetah hanging out. There are so many times that probably went wrong. But in fact, this year, as is the tradition in my household, Lisa has purchased a baby animals calendar. We get a different baby animal every month and it's adorable. As she purchased this one, she did inform me, Now, Hub, I want to make sure this is okay. There is one of these animals that you are going to be frightened of. And I had to think to myself, Which one? It didn't narrow it down as much as you might think it would, because the animal kingdom is terrifying in so many regards. I mean, obviously, given my personal experience, the obvious choice is a bunny rabbit. Uh, as a child, I had a terrifying experience involving uh, baby bunny rabbits. So sure, that's a possibility. But there's also raccoons and possums. I think in retrospect, the more surprising thing about this calendar is that apparently there are 11 baby animals that don't terrify me. Oh, animal kingdom. No thank you. Anyway, enough of this malarkey. I just wanted to pop in real quick and say, hey, Happy New Year, you guys. Without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. And it we, we've actually got three in the hopper right now that take the form of a song parody, more or less. And they're all delightful, and I will get through them all. But, and I, I feel... I, I'm hesitant to put any any caps on your your creativity because I do love getting these rhymes. The idea behind me outsourcing the writing of synopsis rhymes to others was to create less work for myself. So if we could maybe just have them be rhymes, that that'd be nice too. Although, as as I said, you guys, I know you guys put a lot of work into these, and uh, I they they are very good. But uh, 
maybe for future going forward, let's keep them rhymes. That being said, I have a couple of options with this one. I choose the style more associated with Tom Jones for this. You don't have to eat rich to make you hurl. You don't have to ride mules to get hair curled. Ain't no particular style that I'm recapping it with. I just got your comic jokes and your synopsis. Thank you, Brad. That was Brad Reed and thank you. Defenders number three. December 1972. Four Against the Gods. Written by Steve Englehart, drawn by Sal Buscema, with inks by Jim Mooney. Defenders Roll Call. Doctor Strange, the Incredible Hulk, Namor the Submariner, the Silver Surfer. Previously in the Defenders, our heroes ran afoul of a group of extra-dimensional assholes called the Undying Ones and their leader, the Nameless One. The monocleless malcontent sent his stooges, Necrodamus and Kalazuma, to respectively put Namor in a coma and brainwash the Silver Surfer. Fortunately, with the help of his buddy Steve Strange and the Hulk, Namor woke up from his magic-induced snooze and punched Necrodamus. Hooray! The gang then headed to the Himalayas, where the Silver Surfer was going all Rudyard Kipling on a group of yetis he found there. Upon arriving, Hulk said some racist shit to their native guides. Bad job, Defenders! Boo! Hiss! Well, it turned out the Yetis the Surfer had been forcing to conform to his ideas of civilization were actually Kalazuma and a bunch of his asshole buddies, wearing magic Yeti costumes. Everybody fought and the Defenders won. Hooray! The Silver Surfer went back to his default setting of nobly blubbering about how much he misses his home planet of Zen La. Doctor Strange told the Surfer to dry his pupilless eyes because he has a plan that will allow the melodramatic alien to return to his home planet. He does? Gadzooks! Is happiness finally within the Silver Surfer's reach? Can our heroes put their racist colonialist ways behind them? If so, what unfortunate byproduct of privilege will fill that void? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so... Reach maybe, but definitely not grasp. Surprisingly enough, for an issue that begins with a T.S. Eliot quote, for the most part, yes, they do. And a little light misogyny. Also, I guess never mind all that shit I just said in the previously in the Defenders thing. Because the first words of the issue that aren't a T.S. Eliot quote inform us that you have missed nothing. Oh, good to know. Strange's plan to get the Surfer home is actually pretty straightforward. Galactus slapped a cosmic barrier around the planet to keep the Surfer stuck here, but Steve theorizes that if they go to a different dimension where there is no barrier, go past where the barrier would have been, and then pop back into this dimension, then the Surfer will be free to go wherever he wants. Sounds reasonable. The Surfer's pretty stoked about the idea and asks if the rest of the gang feel like joining him. At first, Hulk is like, no way, I fucking hate Steve Strange, he's a dick. But when the Surfer calls Hulk his friend, the Jade Giant is touched and agrees to go with them. Aww. Namor's pretty jazzed about the idea of visiting another planet, but before they go, he has some important business to attend to. He has to jump in the snow and dramatically frolic for a minute. Hooray! Strange magics them into a different dimension, but as soon as he does, it's pretty clear that the dimension they land in is super shitty. Time and space and reality are all fucked up here, and they basically trip balls for a page or two. Eventually, Doc sees something that makes him realize that the dimension they ended up in is... Wait for it. The Realm of the Nameless One. Oh, shit. Steve's realization is sparked by the fact that the Quartet of Defenders run into his old pal Barbara Norris. 
You see, Barb was in a cult that worshipped the Undying Ones and initially led Doc Strange and the Hulk into a trap laid by the Nameless One, but then she had a change of heart and sacrificed herself to save the world, letting Strange and Hulk escape, trapping herself alone in a dimension with the aforementioned Nameless One. Huh, that's some pretty self-sacrificing shit, Babs. Nice job. When the gang runs into her, Miss Norris isn't doing so great. She's stuck floating in a weird trap. Steve and the Surfer blast the trap with a combination of magic and cosmic powers and manage to free her. Hooray. Strange tells Barbara that he hasn't forgotten about her and was totally going to come rescue her, but the, um, the stars were wrong. Sure. Sure they were, Steve. So, let me get this straight. You were planning on rescuing her after you gave up your powers as a Sorcerer Supreme in Doctor Strange number 183. I mean, yeah, you got them back in order to save your own life in Marvel feature number one, but... That wasn't your plan. Were you going to use your powers as a consulting physician to rescue Barbara from the Nameless One? Sure you were. Damn those stars for being wrong. Stupid stars. Anyway, no sooner is Barbara freed from the trap than a giant cosmic whirlpool appears and tries starting to suck our heroes down into... Well, it's kind of unclear what's on the other end of the vortex, but probably something bad. Namor swims up the ethereal tornado to grab the surfer's board while the Hulk grabs onto the whatever stuff the weird dimension is made of at the base of the space twister, and keeps them from falling through the hole to wherever. Hooray! They manage to climb onto the cosmic surfboard, and the silver surfer surfs them free of the vortex's pull. Hooray! Next, the group encounters a weird orb in which the respective girlfriends of the heroes are trapped. The only problem with that, or I guess I should say the primary problem with that, is that Namor's gal pal, the beautiful blue-skinned Dorma, has been dead for years. Huh. Namor realizes that they are heading into a trap laid by that extra-dimensional asshole, the Nameless One. Then, and I say this fully aware of everything that's happened in the issue so far, shit gets weird. The Nameless One finally shows their face, or I should say faces, because even though they're a single entity, they have two heads, and those heads are brothers. Wait. I'm sorry, did I say two heads? Because now they have three heads. For perched atop the two bat-like original heads of the Nameless One is the gleefully, maliciously, batshit insane head of Barbara Norris. See? Shit got weird. Apparently, after being stuck alone in a dimension with the Nameless One, Bab started Stockholming and eventually became the Nameless One's mate. Wow. Not to yuck anyone's yum, but gross. I guess in this dimension, mating with someone means grafting your head onto their body, which you'd think would imply a certain intimacy, but the brother heads are super sexist and dismissive of the barber head. Wait, are the brother heads mates as well? Maybe they just mean mate in like the Australian sense, like, good eye, mate. I kind of doubt it, but now I really want the nameless one to have an Australian accent. Anyway, the possibly Australian, but definitely malevolent, three-headed, no-named monster attacks the defenders. The middle head pops Namor in his mouth and tries to eat him, but Namor is having none of that. After a few seconds, the Avenging Son of Atlantis bursts out of the Nameless One's mouth and says that despite the best efforts of a lot of beings, the Submariner has never and will never be eaten. God damn do I love Namor. While the Incredible Hulk and the Inedible Namor take turns punching the monocleless menace, Steven the Silver Surfer finds the trap that Barbara had been pretending to be stuck in and use their powers to reset it, clamping it onto the creature's leg. The Nameless One hates that. 
The defenders sense that this is their chance to escape and get back to their dimension, but before they go, Steve has one more thing he has to do. He jumps into a snowbank and starts frolicking. Just kidding. Steve is nowhere near as cool as Namor. His action is way lamer. He decides that he can't leave without rescuing Barbara. Above her protestations that she doesn't want to be saved, Steve decides that he knows best and mystically wrenches her mind and head away from the Nameless One and jams it back into her original body. Damn it, Steve. Shockingly, non-consensually severing a close mental bond has negative consequences. Barbara's mind is back in her body, but she had been super tightly connected with her two-headed mate, and the shock of being cut off from them has left her horribly, irrevocably bonkers. A condition which is demonstrated by the fact that she is now constantly shrieking a long string of capital A's. Damn it, Steve. The Defenders and their screaming, batshit crazy companion jump through a portal to their own dimension. But what's this? Instead of being in deep space, past the reach of the cosmic barrier Galactus had built around their planet, our heroes seem to have landed in a meadow back on Earth. What gives? The Silver Surfer is super pissed off to be stuck on our stupid jerkwater planet filled with jerks. He yells at Steve for getting his hopes up and surfs away. Barbara runs off in the opposite direction, continuing to shriek a long string of capital A's. Oh, also, there's a giant castle in the background. Hmm. In a rare example of mild self-awareness, Dr. Stephen Strange wonders if it's possible that he might have made a mistake. Gee, you think? And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. We are recording this on Christmas Eve. It has been a whirlwind of activity around the place, but now we've found this little corner to share our Yule tidings with you, dear listener. Happy Yule tidings. Yeah. Get them while they're good. Cheers. So, what'd you think? First, this is a delicious beverage. Thank you. Thank you. I made hot toddies with maple syrup, lemon juice, and a little bit of cayenne pepper. It is tasty, and it tastes like a healthy tonic. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those cleansing things, only with booze in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uncleansing. That's a cleanse I can get behind. Yeah. I think I might have been wrong last time about cocaine being the drug of choice for the Silver Surfer. I think that dude is all about the hallucinogens after this issue. Really? I did not get that impression at all. What makes you say that? Oh, just the overall total trippiness of this thing and the guy being all, like, dimensionally challenged. Well, they are in a different dimension. I know. Where I they're know. in a trippy place. I don't think you can put this all on the Silver Surfer, Corey. Yeah, I know. It's just the whole issue I had think such if, a trippy vibe to If it. you are to make the case that Steve Engelhart's drug of choice is hallucinogens, this issue makes a fairly good argument for that. Yeah, I was just trying to tie it back to his crazy behavior before and stuff, but you're right. I gotta say, I loved this issue. It was fun. It was It was fun, and it was weird and big and dramatic, but also goofy, and I think the narrator finds his tone more of being very, very dramatic with a lot of gravitas, but also a little bit goofy. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of the tone of the whole series, and I really dug it. I think that is summarized when you open it up, and I think the first words you see are, You have missed nothing! <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh, uh, okay, good. good to know. Yep. I think that's kind of true if you didn't read the last issue, too. 
Yeah, I'm glad that racist Hulk didn't make a another appearance. No, no, we we get some light misogyny, but little else in terms of that. Yeah, and honestly, a little bit. Mo- most of the more overt misogyny is by the antagonist. So it's it's more heel tactics, which is a little bit more palatable. Although certainly, man, there- I, I think Doctor Strange's last line of this is asking himself aloud, did I assume too much? <laughs> yes! Yeah, no yes, shit. you assume too much! So much! Like, on a continual basis, you assume too much, Doctor Strange. Pretty much always. <laughs> I can't even believe you had to ask that question after what went down in this issue. I think it's good that you finally did. Like, it took <laughs> this much bullshit to rattle him some sense into him, you know? <laughs> It's, but I mean, it's so obvious. It would be like if at the end of the issue, he looked at himself and took a really hard, cold look in the mirror and said, could it be? Do I have a mustache? Like, <laughs> yes. No, no, no. This is his personality and, and it's just tied up with a bow, you know, and delivered yeah. to you at the end. I. Oh. It's, it's a nice sort of glimpse into the possibility of self-awareness for... Yeah, although it really does drive home how much that has been lacking up until this point. And I think this is just him dipping his toe in the water of self-awareness. And he's going to pull his foot back and be like, too cold, too cold. chilly. (laughs) Hit it, boys. (laughs) Oh, my. I think my other comment about this issue would be, ah! It has... That's pretty good. Ah, <laughs> okay. Who am I? Um, are you the nameless one? No, I'm Barbara Norris. Oh. She continually screams the letter A. As soon as it is clear that she has become unhinged, that is how her madness manifests itself, is her continually screaming the letter A. Oh, that last, the last. The last few pages, pages. of the book. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I think that's actually what got Doctor Strange to think, like, ooh. That's quite a racket. (laughs) Could I be somehow responsible? When I was taking notes, every, like, third line, I just let a string of capital A's. Ah. Um, It really, that really cracked me up. And honestly, Barbara Nora seems to be having a good time with this thing for the most part until the, the end when she goes insane. Whenever they show her, like, stacked on the Nameless One's shoulders. It's a weird character design on the Nameless One. Also, how does the Nameless One mate? Because apparently once you've become its mate, your head is attached to its body? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. First of all, his brother's head is already attached to his body. So it is its own brother, and they have two heads. Yeah. So that's... We can talk later if you ever want to graft your shoulders onto the back of my shoulders. We we can talk about that. Um, And then, yeah, Um, when they take a mate, then I think her head just levitates above theirs. It's good that this story takes place in a dimension where physical time and space and, let's just say, sense... Yeah. Don't really apply because the character design on this creature is very confusing. On the cover, just one head. I think when we've seen it before, kind of a two headed creature. Mm-hmm. But it's 
it's tough to have a creature where the second head, it looks like it was drawn as a creature with one head, and then later somebody was like, no, 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 that's supposed to have two heads. And he's like, uh, okay, probably shoulders too, I would imagine. But no arms. Like, I mean, just the regular two arms. Yeah. But we'll give it two sets of wings. Yep. And then uh, the lady's head has to go and on, then on the top lady's, of yeah, their and, heads, and like he's just like, okay, I, I got this on. And then it's like, oh, and uh, then the lady's head is on top of the other two heads. And he's like, fine. Fine. <laughs> like, Dear comic, man. This is what you want? But whatever her disembodied head is kind of above there. I mean, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be disembodied or if we just don't see her neck in it. But, like, she's kind of grinning and is looking like, eee! Like, until she starts going, ah! Mm-hmm. She's pretty much going, wee! I'm evil! Yeah, I think that the isolation of space prison made her crazy. Well, I think she started to, like, Stockholm Syndrome for the nameless one. Yeah. Like, they're the only two people there. But then maybe she saw something in him? Like, I don't know if they actually fell in love or what's going on there. But, yeah, she goes absolutely, like, she mind bombs with him. And I think that's how her head ends up trapped on top of their heads. Mm Mm-hmm. So... If they were to reproduce, would the children be yet another smaller, smaller head, head on top, top of their head? Yeah. I'm assuming so. Uh, oh, man. That's awkward. It is, but I'm glad it didn't get that far. Yeah, me too. Although, that would have been really sad Yeah. if if they were up in there. And, you know, Save the then, then, well, I don't know what effect it would have when they pulled her out, if it would also kill the kids, you know? Yeah, this is meddling in uh, affairs beyond Strange's ability to, to comprehend medically Yeah, what happens. That's true. Yeah, and he didn't... He just wades into this thing and is just like, oh, well, I should do this. He also has a excuse that he uses for not having rescued her earlier, which I bet is his excuse for everything. I wanted to return and rescue you, but the stars were wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Now, you were a little bit late when you showed up today, and you did mention that the stars were wrong, and that that was uh, why you were a little tardy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't say that, fair (laughs) listeners. I'm trying to strange me, but it's not going to stick. I really like that as an excuse, though. And I bet Doctor Strange uses it all the time for everything. Like, I... I was going to fold the laundry, but the stars were wrong. Not my bad. Stupid stars. Oh. Yeah. Not a star magician. Oh, how I would have... Oh, how I wish I could have been to work on time. But the stars, they were wrong. No. Hmm. What can I do? Yep. Well, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. If if ever I am unfortunately late again, I am... Not just late. Anything. Just blaming the stars? Anything. Like, Like, it's like... Why, no, I don't have this project done, Mr. Ferguson. Mm. The stars were wrong. <laughs> Clearly. It says right here in the Would schedule. you have me change the stars? Because I probably could. It says right here in the assumptions. <laughs> stars wrong, project's late. Yeah, I, I really like that. Also, I think we may have had the same favorite moment in the comic book, which is before they head off into space, Namor... It's like, there's something I have to take care of first, very seriously. And then runs and jumps and rolls around in the snow. She's like belly flops right into the... 
he essentially so. yeah he needs to he needs to get some water up on him and in him mm-hmm. no matter what form it is but it really is as though he said there is something important i must attend to first before we can join you on this quest to another planet to find your soulmate Snow angels! <laughs> yeah. And he really does just go and run, roll, roll around in the snow and make a snow angel, and it is awesome. It is one of a number of awesome things that Namor does in this issue. It, it is, and that particular scene ties into some of my other sort of favorite stuff that we can dissect when we get to the minutia. Yeah. There was also... I actually really liked the Silver Surfer in this issue, too. Hmm. First of all, he's back to the generally melancholy silver surfer that I I know and love. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, not trying to subjugate another species, which I appreciate. But he also has a very sweet moment with the Hulk at the beginning. Doctor Strange is like, come on, everybody, let's go. And the Hulk is like, no, fuck you. I hate Doctor Strange. He's a dick. You Quit. tell me to do yep. something, I'm not doing it. Quit bossing me around. You're not the boss of me. Yeah, I'm leaving. And Silver Surfer says, a journey like this should be taken with friends. Won't you come with me, friend? And Hulk immediately is like, oh, okay, let's go. You sounded to me kind of like Panthro when you said that. I don't know why. <laughs> eh, I got a little Panthro. Weird. But yeah, I, I, I really like that moment from the Silver Surfer. I like how sad he looks at the end. Very melancholy. Like, not just melancholy, just like... Aah! Well, I mean, I guess he... Put a lot of emotional eggs and then getting home, getting back. Yeah, to his he lady wants basket. to get to, to Shabala and then he, he he does storm off. But that one panel where he looks so sad. Oh yeah, he looks so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for somebody with no pupils. Mm-hmm. But it also brought up a characteristic of the Hulk in which he makes a lot more sense if you kind of think of him as a toddler. Like, no, no, I'm never doing this. Never. No, no. Candy. Oh, candy. Oh, okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, the candy of friendship. Exactly. Or the Hulk is the sweetest. Indeed. And I think in general, friendship candy is the sweetest candy of all. Definitely better than stranger danger candy. Mm, or racism candy. Oh. Although that is also effective with the Hulk, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> there is another thing when Silver Surfer is trying to get his surfboard back, which is another fucking awesome thing that Namor does. He fucking swims through a gas in a different dimension. Because he's tor- that good at swimming. A gas tornado. Yeah, he swims up a gas tornado to get a surfboard. Against resistance. Yes. Very impressive. It's fucking bizarre. When he gets the surfboard to the Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer at first can't get it to move, and then says, even if I must utilize my power cosmic, he's going to do it. Really? Even if you must utilize your power cosmic. He uses his power cosmic for everything. He used it to make fire for to impress some yetis in the last issue. He that's like his go-to is like even if that I think he just That's tried. like even if I have to move my legs slightly, I will walk up this set of stairs. He probably tried and then it didn't work out and so he's like shit, I got to try again, but I'll pretend like I didn't do what I always do the first time. <laughs> he's embarrassed. The other thing is the use of the word utilize. I don't think I've ever seen that outside of a resume. I have, uh, I utilize my powers cosmic to create new bonds with coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. So uh, do I get the job? Uh, you're hired. 
Yay! Hey. Also. Ah! Yeah. Sorry, I'm crazy. Corey. That's okay. It's loud. Yeah. You're a loud crazy. I ah. can also utilize staplers and Excel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that last one, I think, is maybe a stretch. Uh, I know what it is. <laughs> Don't bluff your way into a, an Excel situation, man. Corey, it's like graph paper, but on a computer. Mm. Right? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It does math. I can utilize Excel. If you need to talk to crazy people or do any spreadsheets, <laughs> sub's your man. Uh, also, I believe, as I mentioned, I'm good with a stapler. Yeah. <laughs> that that I believe. Yeah. Nameless One is such a dick. Like, and they, they didn't have to have him be dismissive of Barbara Norris as a woman. It makes sense for his character. Like, if he had just, like, when he's, like, being, like, you fucking idiot, if he had just said human instead of woman, it's like, yeah, he fucking hates humankind. Like, they sure. are beneath him. They are as ants to him. It it was it was frustrating to me. But he is a total dick. So I guess that's part of his being a dick. Yeah, there was a lot of weird gender stuff in this issue. In yeah. Though, like, that's also the way that... <laughs> yeah, maybe he just nameless one is just... Is, is bad that way because, like, that's the way he decides but to I fuck with But I think he, like, has a reputation, perhaps, within the magical community as, like, a pickup artist or something. Or, like, like maybe he's, like, good at negging or something. Like, like the, uh. the those creepy dudes. Because when they don't know that it's the nameless one yet that's behind all of the problems, when they first see their uh, lost lady loves in this big sphere thing, in, mm-hmm. in the cosmic trap, I believe it is Namor that says, who would have the knowledge? The knowledge of women. Who indeed would have this knowledge? (laughs) Who would have the knowledge? The knowledge of women. Oh, no. And then they see the nameless one with Barbara's shrieking head on top of it. So I I feel like there is just like, oh, man. I read The nameless one. (laughs) Wait, did you read that book? No, I just like what they were thinking. Like oh. They read a book about how to pick If up anybody ladies. in the Defenders read that book, it's Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, like, I feel like there's some crossover between the, like, mystical men's rights activist realm that Doctor Strange potentially may inhabit oh. as a fedora owner who spends a lot of time on the mystic internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! I, I still kind of like him. Don't. Yeah, like, I, I, don't I, I do too. I don't. That, that's not canonical. It's just a theory <laughs> I'm working on. Um, but if, if there's anybody who would have read up the the nameless ones pickup artist book, it's gonna be Doctor Strange. Oh boy, Na- Namor doesn't need that shit. Namor is the fucking greatest, and he certainly doesn't have any issues with self confidence, either in intergender relationships or. Any other aspect of his life. Nope, he's a confident dude. He's a very confident dude. And he has every right to be. Because people are constantly trying to eat him. But he knows that they can't eat him. That was so crazy. (laughs) It was one of my favorite things that has (laughs) happened. Not just the scene where it's just like out of nowhere the nameless one pops him into his mouth like he's eating a pill. And I'm just like, oh shit, he just ate Namor. Handful of snack mix. Yeah. And then... Namor fights his way out of the Nameless One's mouth after the Nameless One makes, like, this face like he's going to totally barf. 
Um, it was when er, Namor jumps out of, I guess, a nameless one and a half. It's the second head, the one that's higher up. The brother. They're both brothers, but... The, the little brother. Yeah? Okay. Little, um, little brother. Okay. <laughs> we'll call him that. He pops out a little brother's mouth and, and goes, yeah, Leviathans keep trying to eat me. Nobody can eat me. Like or, I, I'm sorry. Behemoth. What he actually says is, Leviathans have tried and failed. You will not eat the true Submariner. Yeah, he's like, been there, done that. Yeah, nice try, buddy. Better men than you have attempted to eat me. The ocean, ostensibly, you know, in the the parts that humans know nothing about, is full of scary critters. And... That are going to try to eat Namor. Right, and so he's had to deal with that his whole life. He's like, oh, this shit again? Jesus. Ah. Super gross. <laughs> Have a very specific set of skills. One of them is not being eaten. Yep. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I also like when the nameless ones say, Ah, our foot is trapped. <laughs> like, well, Namor and the Hulk are punching the shit out of this dude, Doctor Strange, and... The Silver Surfer, they're still a little bit beat up from their fight with Barbara's cage earlier. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, hey, do you see what I see? Uh-huh. They're able to work both of their powers into just trapping the Nameless One's foot yep. in a cage. And it freaks out the Nameless One and he yells, ah, my foot is, our foot is trapped. It really cracked me up. It cracked me up too. Man, getting back to that scene when... When the nameless one little brother tries to eat Namor. Yeah. That's one of the first times reading these comics. I actually put my hand to my mouth and said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. It was cute. I just didn't see it coming. It no. Really it was, it was a real left turn. You know who else didn't see it com coming? Hmm. Big brother on that one. Yeah, he's like, oh. <laughs> he ducked forward and covered over his eyes. Like, he's like, oh, not this again. <laughs> We're both going to have to digest that. Oh, man. Haven't you kept up with our correspondences with the Leviathans? <laughs> this isn't going to go well for us. Uh, Little brother. This was a really fun issue for me. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about in it before we get on to the minutia? I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, well, then. Oh. Um. Minutia. Yeah, it's okay. Meh. Yeah. It's uh it's Christmas, Corey. Oh, Christmas music is the worst. I'm I sorry, was picking I up can't Lisa at work do and it, they man. and they played that Paul McCartney song. Uh Simply Having Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh Jesus. It's maybe the worst is, thing is, a human being has ever done. Is, that's why I don't like to even be in stores around this time of the year. That's one of so many reasons why that, that is a bad, bad mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I was at, at Walgreens year. earlier today, Christmas Eve day, getting some last minute things, uh -huh. and it was awful. Yeah, I would imagine so. Not all Christmas music is awful, awful though. Last week, I ended the podcast by playing the Walkin' Fuss song, uh, DIY Christmas, Walkin' Fuss and Marcus Reynolds song. That is a good song. I love that song, and it gets stuck in my head all the time. They just came out with a new Christmas song. Did they? Today. That is called... God, I'm, I'm going to get the name right. Does that have I'm to do sorry. with wrestling? Yes. Man, he does a good job. He He's great, and you guys who are listening, he does the outro music, and his song's great, and you should all listen to it. And 
So it's Christmas music that doesn't suck. Well, and this, it's also Christmas music song. that is called a DDT for Christmas. <laughs> uh, and it's great. And I think, yeah, fuck it. I know Christmas is over by the time you guys are listening to this, but I'm going to put it on there. So Merry um, Christmas. You want to try one more time at singing us into the Manusha, Corey? Manusha! That's better. Okay. So what do you want to start with? Let's start with, I, this is a, a funny one. So the dialogue and the panel kind of came together for me okay. in an unusual way in this. And it does have to do with the, the scene in which we described earlier of Namor frolicking in the the snow because okay. he needed to be with water. Okay. So we can we can choose it either as dialogue or, or panel. Let's start with dialogue. Okay. So it's on page three. It's as Namor is preparing to go throw himself into a snowbanking, and it looks like he's going to go do something super awesome. And he's retreating. Which he is. And he's retreating out of the panel and putting his hand up and telling everybody in his usual super confident way. They're they're about ready to go off on their interdimensional adventure. And everybody's like stoked to go. And it's like this big exciting thing. And he's like, then hold yourselves in readiness for I shall return in a moment. And, uh... I don't know. That's just pretty badass when everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're going to leave the planet. This is so awesome. He's like, he's like, no, hold yourselves in readiness. I have to do some shit. I'll be right back. You guys, you know, stay cool. That's stay pretty excited. good. I mean, there is a lot of dialogue to choose from. There's a lot of specifically Namor dialogue to choose from. I think my favorite Namor dialogue is, well, I am, I am somewhat partial to Leviathans have tried and failed. You will not eat a true submariner. Mm. That's really good. When he's going for the surfer's surfboard, he says, I must do it. I must. In this dimension or any other, I am Namor! Yep, that was awesome. Um, there is also, I, I, so I think that's my favorite Submariner dialogue, is the I am Namor. I think that's probably my favorite dialogue overall. Although, when they first get to the weird dimension where everything's trippy, the words for that are great. I'm just going to... It's a whole page of them just, like, flying through weird combo Ditko Kirby-style extra-dimensional. Sometimes they're disembodied, sometimes they look like ghosts. But when they get to the new dimension, a rush of warmth flows up their spines, bursting inside their brains. Reality is everywhere, and it cannot be found. Time becomes sound. Facts become legend. They are one with the universe. Then the multiverse. Then they're sinking into the weird, into the odd, into another dimension. Yeah, that's the part that made me think, drugs. It's cool. Oh, yeah, total drugs. But, like, it's really cool. I, I, I really dug that. And I think my other favorite dialogue is probably, Ah! <laughs> Nobody wants any banana cakes. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on earlier that the narrator really, like, hit his stride. Yeah. With this, too. And it does open up with this, like, this T.S. Eliot quote. And then this, this, um, that was the other bit of dialogue that I really liked was from the, just like the narration on the very first page, mm-hmm. which is he tries to be all mm, poetic, I guess. Well, he's quoting T.S. Eliot. Oh, is this both? Yeah. Both things are T.S. Eliot? Yeah, that's what the quotation marks mean. Oh. So I would say he's succeeding in being all poetic. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't get that. In because... that he's quoting a T.S. Eliot poem. <laughs> <clears throat> to be fair, it's <laughs> broken into two dialogue bubbles, and the uh, the one that ends in the ellipsis, I didn't connect to the other one, but that's what ellipsises <laughs> do, so never mind. <laughs> yep. You want me to edit that out? Uh, yeah. Because I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> All right. Favorite panel? Yes. Well, um, there is the aforementioned name where uh, hold yourselves in readiness, and then I will I will flop into the snow. And so it's the snow flop? The snow flop was one. Um, that is really nice. And he also is just talking about like how people don't appreciate how great water is the way he does, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, and true. Yeah. There is a bunch of really awesome psychedelic artwork in this issue yeah. also. And the page which you read the dialogue from just a minute ago yeah. was also like that entire page, but specifically the top panel that's got all of their floating disembodied heads as they're getting ready to sink into the weird mm-hmm. is is very striking. Man, if this podcast didn't already have a name, sink into the weird. Ooh. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, those pages were both great. My favorite panel, I think, has to be when Lil Brother pops Namor like a pill. Like, <laughs> it's just... It was so surprising. And really nicely drawn. There are some great panels. They're really, as I said, the character design on the Nameless One is a fucking mess. Also, about the Nameless One, he's not named... If his name is the Nameless One, do you think that that is just what his name is phonetically in his dimension. It just sounds like the nameless one. And so when it's translated into English, it creates like a who's on first situation. Oh yeah. It's probably all the apostrophes. Right. Right. But do you think that he doesn't have a name or is his name the nameless one? Is that, is that different than the undying one? Well, okay. The nameless one is the leader of the undying ones. Oh, okay. Nope. I think he's got a name and he doesn't like it. Oh, so so he he told people he doesn't have a name? Yep. Here's the thing. I understand if somebody doesn't have a name, but the fact that he is the nicknameless one also, like, somebody would have found something to call him. Oh, I'm sure they have plenty of things they call him. I would like to hear them. Like, I don't know, two-head? Oh, oh, four wings? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, those are some pretty good zingers. Yeah. You're really taking the nameless one down (laughs) and Zing. (laughs) What do you think his name is? I don't know, like uh, Vern, Fonsworth, Eugene, mm. Archibald, Poindexter, uh, Maynard, Glenn, Floyd. See, we all we probably have listeners that have all of those names. Yeah, I'm sorry, not guys. saying they're terrible names. It's just a, it would be a funny name for the nameless one to have. I really like the idea of calling the nameless one Glenn. 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 So, yeah. I love the panel where Glenn is popping Namor like a pill. It really, really cracked me up. Wait, is, uh... See, that's the other thing. So the Nameless One and his brother... They're a single entity, entity. And so it's... They are referred to in the singular, but they're also referred to as they. It's confusing. It is, but I like that. I'm, I'm fine with that. They're in a different dimension, and I like that they're playing with that. But his character design is a fucking mess. And so Barbara, now that she's married to they... If she's part of them. part of them. Well, or she was, but then Doctor Strange separated her, but did not, not prepare not her mind to for it first. He did a bad job. He did a pretty bad yeah. job. Yeah. And, he, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Other panel, uh, Sad Silver Surfer on page 28. He just looks so sad. 
That's the one that's just his face, like the close-up? Yeah. <laughs> he's even wringing a hand, or both of his hands. Yeah, no, he, he he's he's flinging his hands up. He, he looks like he's one of those like theater of pain masks symbolizing <laughs> sadness. Yeah, it's like a sad mask. And then he is... Oh, space differs in every dimension. I can never escape that. I'm trapped like a rat on this insane planet. Oh, man. He fucking hates the Earth. Yeah. It's full of dicks. Full of dicks. And now his Yeti friends were just gaslighting him. Man. (laughs) Bunch of garbage dicks. (laughs) Don't give him that garbage dick. He hates it. Um, I I had one other backup panel that was also Silver Surfer, and it's on page 19. I called Silver Surfer says no, and it's him on his surfboard blasting the shit out of stuff, and he's saying no. Oh, uh, that is pretty good. It's the Silver Surfer says no, and he's blasting a asteroid that I guess the Nameless Ones are throwing at him. Yep. It's before they have come up with the idea of turning a trap into a basically a bear trap for the Nameless Ones' foot. Mm-hmm. It hates that. It It is not its favorite. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, another thing we have a few to choose from. Best sound effect. Oh, there are so many. Yeah. Once again, this ties into my favorite panel dialogue <laughs> and and the general stuff, which is the sound splush. Sure. Which is the sound it makes when uh, Namor belly makes flops. makes a snow angel. Makes a, a front side snow angel. Yeah, a belly snow angel. It's still an angel. Mm. You ever try making one face down? I don't think so. You? It would be hard to get the head right because you'd get your face cold. <laughs> yeah, and the snow <laughs> would get in your collar and it would just be all... I would hate that. If it, couldn't, it might hurt. It'd be like getting whitewashed. Uh, man, I wonder... Yeah, kids that don't grow up in snowy places don't have that experience. That's good. Yeah. There was... Uh, I was bullied by a little person when I was... <laughs> <laughs> He's not joking. His name was Little Ricky, and he whitewashed me. He was like in third grade when I was in first grade. You should explain. So he was like uh, older, and he had like a lower center of gravity. You should explain um, what a whitewash is for. It's when you push somebody's face down into the snow and then rub it back and forth, and it's awful. And you, nobody should do that. But <laughs> I guess I get it. <laughs> oh, Little Ricky, Little Ricky, if you're listening, fuck you. You are a dick. And who bought you that leather jacket? No, he sounds like he was a real jerk. Yeah, I was not a fan. Anyway, uh, so favorite sound effects. We have Splush. Yep. Uh, That's your favorite? Uh, The other ones we have to choose from are the nameless one's zapping energy makes the noise. Chris. Chris is good. And the other one that is in contention for me is, do you want to take Splush and I'll take the other one? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. It's Namor again. Namor punching out the nameless Barbara. Oh, wait. If Oh. Nameless Barbara. Conundrum. Huh. Namor is punching out Glenn, and the punch makes the noise blunt, which is rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take that as my favorite sound effect, just because it, it's another that falls into the category of just like, how does that make that noise? Or is it a example of just like, well, instead of writing the sound effect, I'm going to describe his action. That is very blunt of him. Oh. A punch to the face. You can't be more blunt than that. Very direct. Mm, Indeed. Which is something 
I appreciate about Namor. Like, pretty much everything else. Which brings us to best defender, worst offender. Best defender? I think we may be on the same page with both of these, actually. Yeah, it's fucking Namor. He kicks so much ass. And he's so great when he does it. (laughs) I love the Submariner. Just so imperious, so punchy. Nobody better try to eat him. They're not going to be able to. No. It's a fool's errand. Yeah. He does. He does great. He does a great job. And gets the surfboard back. Declares that he has to because he is Namor. No matter what dimension he's in. Doesn't fucking matter. Figures he, out the ruse. That... He swims up a tornado of gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he figures out the ruse that, uh... But who has knowledge? Knowledge Which of women. women. <laughs> Beats me. Oh, boy. Ugh. Namor. Yeah. And, he's uh... he's the, the best offender. Worst offender? I think we also agree on this, and it's Mr. Could I possibly have overreached? I don't know. This is the thing. <laughs> have I assumed too much? Can it be? Dude, he gets them to two wrong dimensions. He oh, God. Drives Barbara crazy after making a shitty excuse he, for not rescuing her. He continually belittles the Hulk, and we see that the Hulk is not, like, he catches this shit. Yeah, he's like, it's, Hulk's like, nobody like, thinks Hulk. Nobody ever thinks the Hulk. And we are, it hint, is hinted at that that will have larger repercussions that extend beyond the Hulk thinking that Doctor Strange is a dick. He also, at the end, the thing that he he makes him wonder if he assumed too much is, so the Silver Surfer's just left. And oh, he doesn't say it. He only thinks it. Doesn't want to share that with anybody. But this entire venture has been a disaster. I wonder, in assuming the mantle of leadership for the Defenders... Have I assumed too much? First of all, I almost guarantee you he is the only one who thinks that he is the leader of the defenders. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, Hulk knows, thinks of him as a very bossy person, but does not yeah, think Yeah, he doesn't like being boss. told what to do. He, yeah. he, he is there because he is friends with Fishman and maybe Silver Surfer. He fucks everything up, and I don't think any of them think of him as the team leader at all. But... Maybe he has assumed too much. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. So, Doctor Strange is the worst. He does a bad job. He does a bad job. I still like Doctor Strange, kind of. But man, I kind of like him in that way. Like, I like him as a character, but part of what I like about him is how consistently he's a dick. Well, it's funny because Namor also is this sort of, you know, ego-driven dick. Yeah. A lot of the times. But oh, for but whatever great. reason, he's... Much more enjoyable to, I think, I don't know. What okay, I, I and I think I talked about this earlier, but to me it breaks down more that Namor is imperious and he is arrogant. Doctor Strange is just privileged. Mm-hmm. And, and to the point where he essentially is the living embodiment of privilege. Yeah, we did like, talk about yeah, that. He, mm-hmm. He's just, he, he's rich white dude personified. Who also has the mystic arts. Like, his whole story is, he was an arrogant doctor who then got more powerful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't learn humility. He learned magic when he needed to learn humility. He's an interesting character. I like that he wears his pajamas. It's one of those, like, when I'm watching, like, Downton Abbey or something like that, where I'm just like just seething cauldron of class rage. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck these guys. But also, like, 
That shit's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. There, there's element. so there's that dichotomy with Doctor Strange, but this issue, yeah, it, he he does a bad job. I think too reading it as a adult versus a kid too is like the filter is super different. Yeah, you know, as a kid, you're just like, of course, I would tell everybody what to do, and zap why them, wouldn't they listen zap to them me? with my awesome magic powers? Like oh. Oh, that would be the best. Yeah, maybe. This is general advice for anybody, fictional and non. If you think somebody needs to be rescued, ask them. Talk to them. Engage in a dialogue. Don't assume too much. Yes. Because, yes, Doctor Strange, you did it to assume too much, and that is why you are the worst offender this issue. Maybe I'll turn it around next issue. All right, so, sartorially speaking... Hmm. We talked a little bit about the character design of the Nameless One. I don't think that really counts as sartorially, although he does have occasionally disappearing second set of wings, uh, which may be a fashion choice. Pants? Difficult to tell. Yeah, on the cover he has no pants. He's kind of wearing like a wrestling onesie inside the issue. Oh. Or I guess a wrestling twosie. Cause, Singlet. Yeah, but it's a double because... His other head has one, too. It's very confusing, this whole thing. Um, But uh, I want to talk briefly about uh, Barbara Norris. All right. She's dressed like Supergirl for no apparent reason, and I kind of like it. I was going to ask you about that, actually. What was up with her outfit? I don't know the character. She's wearing a red cape. Okay, her character is that uh, her mom was in a cult that worshipped the Undying One. Oh. Or that worshipped the Undying Ones and therefore the nameless one who is leader of the undying ones and she kind of tricked barbara and her husband jack into joining the cult oh but i get the impression that like with a like a legacy cult member it's probably more of a like yeah they'll go to the sacrifices on sunday but normally they lead like a regular life like it's you know like like backwood scientology yeah or or like uh like twice a year chris uh, catholics you know you know, you show up on the high holidays, like, sure, they'll go to the wild bacchanalia twice a year, but that's going to be it. They're not particularly observant cultists, I would imagine, but they were instrumental in, they kind of, before the Defenders formed as the Defenders, the the four heroes ended up hooking up to beat the def- de- the undying ones. We had a lot of flashbacks to that in issue two of the defenders, and so she was supposed to trap Doctor Strange in this dimension, and she kind of did. But then the Hulk showed up and started fighting the Nightcrawler, and they trashed the whole dimension. And she sacrificed herself nobly to seal herself off in a dimension with the Nameless One to protect the Earth. That's, nice. that's kind of her backstory. So that that's, yeah, nice on her. She was like, oh, I shouldn't have been in this shitty cult. Turns out these assholes I've been worshipping suck. Mm-hmm. God, if only more people were like that. Yes. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah, just in general. Just people <laughs> just, in general. Just, if you realize that the person that you're worshipping sucks... Yeah. Then lock yourself sacrifice in a dimension yourself. with them. <laughs> yeah, lock yourself in a dimension with them. Save the planet. Save the planet. Yeah, um, maybe not but, starting an arms race. Yeah, but also don't uh, maybe have your disembodied head float on top of theirs. Yeah, that's creepy. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> eh, choices. Make yeah. smart choices. But there is nothing in her background uh, that, to my mind, suggests that she would dress like Supergirl all the time. Yep, I had wondered about that but also. 
She does. So that that is my sartorial note. Uh, did you have anything? I did. There was limited material to mm-hmm. work with. There was. Oh, so the story takes place in another dimension. Yep. There was. There was Barbara. There was Nameless One. Sure. And then there was the the projection of the Defenders' lady friends. Yeah. And so from that is where I think I'll take my sartorially speaking favorite. Okay. And it was uh, Dorma, right? Dorma's... Uh, yeah, uh, Namor's... Namor's gal, who is dead. Yes. Um, who look a lot like Barbara Eden from I Dream of Jeannie, the Only way that blue. she was drawn in blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good look. I thought it was nice. Yeah. So that's my pick. Good call. Thanks. All right. <laughs> um, was there anything else we needed to touch on? No, I think we covered it. Good choices. Sacrifice yourself. Make make good choices. Don't assume too much. Yep. Don't um, assume. If you do assume too much... Blame it on the stars. Oh, that's right. Um, if you're late to meet your brother, if you're, for anything, and, and don't be late to, to meet your brother. But also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and don't try to eat the submariner because it's not going to work gonna out work. for it's you. It's never going to work. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for joining us. We will be back next week with the new Teen Titans number six, in which we will find out what happens when Raven goes to try to live with her deadbeat dad. We will be back in two weeks with the Defenders number four and find out what's going on with this dimension that they return to. Looks like they're on Earth, but I think we see a castle in the background. It's got grass. Yep. We're just uh, finding out what's going on with that shit. Uh, It also hints that we will meet a new Defender and an old Avenger. So that should be fun. Thanks for tuning in, people. We will see you next year. Shit. You're yeah. right. I think we will be putting out a donors-only episode pretty soon for Patreon donors. We're going to be covering the special Don't Do Drugs issues of the new Teen Titans for those. Uh, the first one, I think, should be coming out relatively soon, within the next couple of weeks. So if you are a Patreon donor, look for that. If you would like to become a Patreon donor... You can do so by finding us at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. And that would be cool. And then you can find out whether you should do drugs or not. Um, <laughs> you know, otherwise you're just going to be sitting around your house with a bong in one hand and a needle in the other going, oh. <laughs> but that is obviously your choice. We can't force you to donate to us. Um, you can find us on the rest of the internet. We're in there somewhere. If you'd like to reach us by email, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. If you like leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be nice. I hope you have a good New Year. Good luck out there. Don't give anybody any garbage dick. Touch me not. Also, don't try to eat the Submariner. More of that. It's a fool's errand. Yep. Happy holidays, folks. Yeah. You can decorate the tree. Hang the stockings and sing in harmony That's not Christmas to me There's one more thing that I need Kid sitting on his knee Every station plays a yuletide symphony Still won't be Christmas to me Until
Till I give you a DDT Christmas DDT I'm gonna give you a Christmas DDT DDT Christmas DDT I'm gonna give you a Christmas DDT See it in the streets, the faces of the passersby in decline and cheer in short supply To those who say the season's slipping Been white from the start I got a gift to give to warm up all those blackened hearts From me to you, my aim is true It's sitting on my sleeve This quick reminder that it's better to give than receive Don't get me wrong, don't wanna throw the focus onto me Cause I think this is something everyone you know should see I got a sentimental feeling like the want for home A present that'll leave your reeling hands upon your dome It's something precious, something not available in stores A special offer straight from walking Fuss to you and yours Embrace the light refracting back and feel the coldness fade Expect it right after a slap between your shoulder blades Yeah, it's a wrap, but you won't see it underneath the tree Cause this Christmas, I'm giving you a DDT Christmas DDT I'm gonna give you a Christmas DDT Gonna surprise you at work When you're with your family So I see no reason to implore I'm Jake the Snake, you're Ricky Steve here's the concrete floor Every winner, I'm a winner, I don't like to lose They're gonna send your Christmas dinner down an Ivy tube An advent calendar, a payback, yeah, the days they pass I'm cracking skulls like falling ornaments encased in glass So let me put the final touches on this homemade wreath While you're on your hands and knees and can't locate your teeth My selfless nature heard you pleading, you weren't needing one But once I gave the signal to the crowd, the deed was done And I'ma keep on giving even though you didn't ask Meant to mention that this gift includes a crimson mask When has a present ever entered your head? Left you dripping with the spirit steady drenched with red Lines around the block, they can't believe they'll see The true meaning of Christmas, I'm delivering a DDT Christmas DDT I'm gonna give you a Christmas DDT Gonna sneak into your house Christmas DDT I'm gonna give you a Christmas DDT Gonna give you a DDT Gonna give you a Merry Christmas Christmas Eve.